Many schools have attempted to reward good behaviour, but these attempts have always failed. Punishment is the most effective way to improve behaviour. Write an essay explaining how far you agree with this statement. So um, having looked through the exposition essays, um, most of you have made a really good go of this, really strong start, really good points. Um, and I just wanted to record this podcast to give people a few more guidelines as they maybe think about some extra areas to research and some ways of extending or developing your exposition further. So um, the question looks at both rewards and punishments. So in your exposition essay, you're going to have to devote time to both rewards and punishment. And you're going to have to look at different methods. So what are some of the ways that schools use rewards? What are those rewards? And then evaluate, you know, why are they effective or not? Similarly, with punishment, there are lots of different methods of punishment. Um, Incidentally, you know, corporal punishment is only one method. Um, There are other methods in use today. What are they? Go through them and again, evaluate why or why not they are effective. Um, A key thing is going to be thinking about practically speaking in schools today, how rewards and punishment can work. What are some of the ideals that we have for rewards and punishment? And what are the ways in which things like cost prevent us from being able to follow through? So, for example, many of you were looking at the holiday that some of the students were sent on in the Sunshine Isle thing, but not many people pointed out, well, the cost of this is clearly prohibitive. There's a very small amount of students who would be able to experience that. However, on the other hand, um, not many people have really picked up on the fact that there is a cost to bad behaviour too. So, for example, if a student is in a cycle of bad behaviour where they are constantly needing to be reprimanded, um, the school's constantly having to set up meetings with their parents and various other agencies, you could argue that over time that pupil is going to cost the state a lot of money. Um, And you could argue that spending that money, say, on a a special holiday to re-educate them, um, such as that trip to Jamaica, actually in the long run saves money because of improving the student over the long term. So not many people sort of have been looking at those kind of angles of um, the different ways you could potentially justify some of those reward systems and how they work. Now, a key thing about rewarding badly behaved students um, is the effect on the well-behaved students. And that's something that some people have, have done really well and really talked about and some that other people haven't really touched on. So the fact that if you reward a badly behaved student for just behaving normally, how then are you going to incentivize and reward those who are actually behaving well and above average? You know, are we just rewarding something that shouldn't be rewarded? Normal, polite behavior. Surely we're lowering our standards if if that's the case. So it'd be really good to to question, you know, should hard work be its own reward? You know, should students even need a reward? Surely, you know, they should understand that if they work hard, they achieve good grades, they're going to be successful. They're going to it's going to be its own reward for them. And ultimately, no reward a school can offer you, whether it's, you know, um, 
get out of homework free card, skipping the queue at lunchtime, having a mufty day, having a trip. None of those rewards can um, compare to the long term success of, wow, I got the job I always wanted because I got the grades that I needed from my consistent hard work over several years. Now, another key aspect to this argument, which not many people have talked about so far, is the role of parents. Okay, so the role of parents in reinforcing and making punishment effective. So if a child is is in a home environment where their parents are effectively managing their behaviour, then that's going to have a knock-on effect on their school behaviour. And if in school um, a student is not behaving well, the school puts various interventions in place and tries to work with the parents, but the parents are not effective in managing that child's behaviour, then how much can the school succeed in that situation? So it would be really interesting to look at, um, you know, in what ways parental responsibility and effectiveness has this impact on school behaviour. That would be a really interesting thing to do some research on. Um, one of the key things with this task is you need a lot of facts and evidence to support either way, either viewpoint or either side of the story for rewards or punishment. But then you have to go further and evaluate those facts. So it's not just a simple, OK, tell me what the methods of rewards and what the methods of punishment are. It's a kind of, right, tell me what they are and then evaluate them. Tell me why they're effective. That's where the, that's what the question's really driving you to do. How far do you agree? And that's where you have to evaluate it successfully. And some people just need to develop that a bit more, develop the, the, um, the viewpoints and then evaluate them more effectively. It doesn't work to kind of ping pong you know, from one to the other saying, well, some people say rewards are effective because of this and then ping pong. But then other people say they're not because of this and nothing's developed enough. Then you have to go into a lot more detail and depth just to really develop those things. Um, I think it would be really good to think as well about using not being too tied to the stimulus text. So in GCSE, what they generally do on a GCSE paper is they give you a number of texts, a bit like the ones we've looked at on, you know, should corporal punishment be brought back, um, no to the cane, yes to the cane, um, the Sunshine Isle. We've looked at various texts to do with this topic and that, that'll be like that on the GCSE paper. And then they give you a writing task in section B of the paper that's usually about that topic. So, for, for example, like this exposition, you know, evaluating rewards and punishment. Now, one of the key things, the key traps not to fall into this is to be too reliant on those stimulus texts, because whilst the stimulus text is very useful in generating ideas on the topic, if you find yourself structuring your writing around those texts, you've kind of missed the point because it is a writing task, not a reading task. So you're not being assessed on how well you've read those texts and how much you can use the ideas from those texts in your writing. You know, if you completely left out the idea of sending kids on holiday, you wouldn't lose marks because it's a writing task. It's not a reading task. So, you know, you don't have to be tied to those stimulus texts. They can certainly be helpful. And of course, you can use them for your research. You can use other texts as well, like David Copperfield and Hulls. But just remember, this is a writing task. 
And so you're not being assessed on how well you've read texts and how well you've located information in those texts. You are being assessed on how well you can weigh up both sides of an argument. Just take care you don't get sidetracked into, you know, making it a reading task or a synthesis task of, well, I've read all these different articles and now I'm going to put it all together. Um, The task is looking for you to use sophisticated vocabulary and sentencing to evaluate both sides of the argument in enough detail that you can then draw a conclusion at the end.